this episode of So Dramatic, my guest is social activist Annie Lavin. Annie and I talk about Big Edie and Little Edie Beale and all the glory of Grey Gardens. These were two women who were not afraid to be so dramatic. Welcome to this episode of So Dramatic. I'm Nancy Beach, and with me is Annie Lavin. Hi, Annie. Hi, Nancy. So, Annie, I wanted to ask you first. I know I've asked you to do this a while ago. Have you thought at all about who you think I might talk to you about, who you, your subject might be? Have you, your drive over here, were you thinking about that at all? Uh, I suspected it might be something to do with Irish literature, okay. but uh, I was a little fearful because I'm thinking, <laughs> am I going to know enough about that right. to carry on a conversation for an hour? Right, but, uh, right. Well, you have that Irish background. How many right. years did you live in Ireland? Uh, five and a half years. Five and a half years. Oh, my gosh. Right. So I think that would have been the obvious choice. Right. And so I did not choose that. Okay, excellent. So for this episode, Annie, we are going to talk about Edith Bouvier Beale, otherwise known as Big Edie. Oh, my God. And her daughter, oh Little God. Edie of Grey Gardens fame. Oh, my God. Right? I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm not an expert, but no. a huge fan. Right. I know. I know. That's why I'm like, I knew That's immediately. Perfect. I have to talk to Annie about this. I have to talk to her about this. Okay. So because I'm an English teacher, I have to give my sources. Right, so right, New York right. Times, Grey Gardens, the documentary, oh, yeah. right? Um, Biography.com, Wikipedia, maybe, maybe mm-hmm, not. Mm-hmm. Variety Magazine, there was a, a great, I think it was the New York Times, mag. there was an article magazine printed in the magazine a while ago. It was really, probably in 1972, that was really great. And then there was a newer documentary called That Summer, which came oh. out recently, which was kind of the pre, the Maisels, those brothers that made mm-hmm. the Grey Gardens. It was pre, like, all footage from before that, right. which was very interesting. So, okay, so here I have, just to kind of remind you, there's Big Edie yeah. in her wedding dress. Oh look at her. God. What year is that? Mm, when did, I'll have to look when she gets married. Yeah. Um, and then these are some pictures I want to show of little Edie, her daughter. Look at her. I know. She's beautiful. She's ridiculous. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just ridiculous. Just such, so stunning. Okay. So. She looks like Jackie Kennedy. She I does. I mean, obviously. Right? Uh, right? Gorgeous. Yeah, a young, stunner. Right. Almost right. prettier because less exaggerated features. I think, yeah, her yeah. eyes aren't, I think Jackie's kind of, her eyes are kind of far apart. There's something in. Where she doesn't have that. Like right. A, she photographed well. Yes. But in per, I have a friend who saw her in an elevator later in life in yeah. New York. And she said it was kind of weird. Really? Up close. She was like a Picasso I mean, she painting was older. Yeah. I mean, she was, it was, she was older, yeah. too. But okay. um, just that her features up, up close yeah. were a little too much to yeah. take. So, well, yeah, we'll explain what the connection is for, between the Kennedys and mm-hmm. the, the Beals. So Edith, Big Edie, we'll refer to her as Edith okay. Beale. She was born October 5th, 1895, mm. and then she died February 5th, 1977. She was an American socialite known for her eccentric lifestyle. She was an aunt of Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. Okay. So she was her aunt. So Beale's parents were the paternal grandparents of Jackie Kennedy. So little Edie and Jackie Kennedy are first cousins. Right. Okay. 
So her life and relationship with her daughter, Edie Beale, we'll call her Little Edie, were highlighted in the 1975 documentary Grey Gardens, referred to as Little Edie and Big Edie. Beale enjoyed a privileged upbringing along with her brothers, John. I love the like the names. They always have to get those names in there, right? right? Like Vernot Bouvier Third. God mm-hmm. help us. He was Jack, <laughs> Jackie Kennedy's dad. Oh, right. Yeah. Black so that, Jack. Black Jack. Oh, Black Jack. And then her brother, Bud. Bouvier, and he actually died at a really young age from alcoholism. And then she had two redheaded, redheaded twin sisters, Maud and Michelle. Beale was, she enjoyed photography, theatrical arts, and as a youth considered becoming a surgeon from her interest in physiology, which I thought that was really interesting. But she really pursued that amateur singing career, which we hear, you see a lot about in the um, Maisel's documentary. So in 1917, so that picture, the wedding picture, she married okay. lawyer financier, Phelan Beale. He worked at her father's law firm, so go figure why right. she would marry him. Right. Bouvier and Beale. It was a really lavish ceremony, St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. Have you been in St. Patrick's Cathedral? I have, it's yeah. Gorgeous, isn't it? It's beautiful. Just ima- I mean, imagine that wedding. So then they lived on Madison Avenue, like we all do. Right. <laughs> they had three children, Edie. She was born in 1917. She was referred to as little Edie, and two sons, Phelan Beale and Bouvier Beale. Oh my God. <laughs> Got to get that name in there, right? Uh. They call him Buddy. Thank God. Um, so 1923, Phelan Beale purchased the 14-room Grey Gardens Mansion, number three West End Road in East Hampton, a block from the Atlantic Ocean, um, a 1.7-acre parcel about 100 yards from Georgia Beach. Some of the rooms have views of the Atlantic Ocean, three-story shingle-style main house. So I was reading just about that time period. So this was not at the time when they moved out there. This was not like what it became. Right. It wasn't right. The, the place to be. It was not. And basically the, the, the Beals and the Bouviers, they like started these, these having these houses here and they kind of made this this destination. Okay. Um, but they, I mean, they're, you know, block from the ocean. They would swim in the ocean. They just, you know, really uh, enjoyed that lifestyle. That's, I'm sure, a multi-million dollar piece of land now oh right of course yeah 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 but yeah i, wonder, I was going to ask how much they paid for it if it said that but it was probably it didn't say how much they paid for it then but i'll tell you what they what she sold it for and what it right. recently sold for so the beals actually separated in 1931 when little edie was 14 and big edie was 35 i was thinking hmm. about that she was really young right yeah so um big edie retained the great gardens house she didn't get any child support um, no, she just received child support, but no alimony okay. from her husband. Right. Um, his second wife actually inherited his estate. She just kind of, he just kind of took off. But it, you know what's interesting is that Big Edie never really says anything negative about him in that documentary. Yeah, not that I remember. She but... did, she she says at one point to her daughter, "Well, you should have married someone you loved, like I did." Right. And I thought this guy left, like. Yeah, but did she? Is she? you know, mentally declining at that point. She know. doesn't remember the bad times. I don't know. Or, yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of an interesting right. statement. So she still continued to pursue her singing career. Big Edie did. She'd give recitals in her home and local functions. Her sons went off to college and World War II duty and had families of their own. And it was when, in 1942, she showed up for her son's wedding, and she was dressed like an opera star. Mm. She actually came late, like 20 minutes late, walked into the ceremony. And her father, Major Bouvier, was outraged. He, yeah. You know, this is this these are society people. They don't right. like this drama. And he was so upset by her that he mostly cut her out of his will. 
he left her $65,000, a little trust fund that she had to live off of the rest of her life. Wow. That explains a lot. Yeah. 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 Um, 1946, Phelan Beale, her husband, notified her of their divorce via a telegram from Mexico. Thanks. Little Edie would refer to that as the fake Mexican divorce. It's like a text now where people break up by text. Right. Um, so it was not recognized by the Catholic Church, so that's why they feel it was fake. Mm. Um, but her kids and her father, Big Edies, would like urge her to sell Grey Gardens. Just sell it, get out of there, but she refused. She wanted mm-hmm. to stay. During that time, though, she did have two male companions at various times at Grey Gardens. George Gould Strong, he was um, her accompanist. A songwriter, kind of a companion, and then Tom Tex Logan. So when George uh, Strong met Edie, it was the late 1930s. And at the time, the Bouvier name was still associated with the great wealth and social status. And he said to have dedicated over 80 songs to her. What was his name? His name was George Strong. Oh, okay. So he, um, you know, one kind of two men who were kind of associated with her. Um, 80 songs. Could you wow. imagine? Any of them? Famous, I don't we think know. So. <laughs> <laughs> little ditties, right? Right. Um, he lived there for a short time at Grey Gardens, but a lot of people believe that he and Edie were lovers. She wouldn't really confirm or deny that. He died in 1963 from a bleeding ulcer. The other companion was this Tom Tex mm-hmm. Logan, and he lived with them for about nine years. So he was like a carpenter, maintenance guy. He um, and Edie, they believe, again, were lovers, Mm -hmm. that he was just infatuated with her, but he had a really bad drinking problem. So he would kind of come work for a while and then go off and travel around and then come back. And so he was kind of off and on, would live there. This is Big Edie or Little Edie? This is Big Big Edie. Edie. Yeah, yeah. In 1964, after another absence, he came back to Reed Gardens. He was really sick, and he died a week later of pneumonia. And Little Edie would say that he's the one who would haunt the house. Okay. So he died in their kitchen. So she, anything would go wrong with the house, she'd be like, well, that's Tom. He's haunting the house. So like her mother. <laughs> Not the 20 raccoons. <laughs> that's Tom. Or the, the 300 cats. <laughs> <laughs> so like her mother, she was a creative type, and she mm-hmm. had these dreams of becoming a singer. And little Edie was, you know, really um, – was really into that. That was really important to her. At nine, she wrote a poem. It was published in the New York Magazine. I'm sure it had nothing to do with her name. No. Just her talent, raw talent. Right, pure raw talent. (laughs) So she really, she thought she wanted to be a writer, but really her real love was the stage, even though her dad was like, no way. And it's interesting, like they'll bring up the dad as if he still has this power and control over them. Mm -hmm. And I, I wondered like how much did he, was he involved after he left, and it seems like he still had a really strong hold over their choices yeah. and what the family did and what even what the mother did, even though he they were divorced. So um, they think for sure her mom was the big influence behind that appeal for the stage. So age of 11, her mom, this is my favorite, her mom took her out of school for two years because she had a respiratory illness. The mother did? or <laughs> The mother did. Okay. Big Edie took right. little Edie out of school. So she's 11. And what they would do every day is they'd go see movies or go see plays for two years. Wow. Can you imagine that? I mean, that's, it's like, that's so great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't imagine what, what school, which I'm sure she was probably in some private. Oh, right. And who, I guess who's paying attention at this point. Right. You know? 
So I, I just thought that was so funny. I'm like, that that just kind of says a lot about their relationship right? and how they chose the decisions they made in right. their life. Well, the dad was probably, where was he for that? Maybe he was MIA for that. Yeah, who knows if yeah. he's there or if right. he's part of that. Um, but yeah, that, I thought that was great. That's Could you funny. imagine like, I'm going to take, you're going to take your kids out of school for two years. Oh my God. They'd love it. <laughs> I, would, yeah. I wouldn't love it. No, I would not. That'd They'd be... love it. So big Edie, she was blonde, blue eyed, mm-hmm. really tall, gorgeous. Like I showed you those pictures. Right. Just, they said, everyone said she was more beautiful than Jackie. She was stunningly beautiful. Mm-hmm. 1934, she attended, um, this exclusive Miss Porter's finishing school in Connecticut. What do you, what do you think you learn in finishing school? Like what kinds of. I don't know. Embroidery, um, piano, uh, painting, manners, obviously. Manners. Yeah. There's gotta be. Posture. Walk with a book on your head. Right. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I'm thinking like, like finishing. finishing. I don't, I don't finishing. know if it's like you're getting the basic, are you getting a basic math, English, like, you know what I mean? I would mean? assume I w- that's part of it if that's your only education, yeah. but it's not a deep dive into those. Yeah. It's more being able to present a right. positive, how to polished, behave in society, how to, a polished which bait. fork right. to use. Right, what to wear. Yeah, how to cross your legs. Mm-hmm. So she modeled for Macy's, and she was in fashion shows, and her debutante party in New York was covered by the New York Times. I mean, this was, this was a huge deal. Again, known for her beauty, her self-confidence, her charm. She was the it girl of East Hampton and New York during the 30s and 40s. So she just, everyone loved her style, her creativity. She was, people were really, really drawn to her. So according to um, her, she... She said that she, uh, Howard Hughes and J. Paul Getty had asked her to marry them. So some pretty famous, wealthy men. And that she said she had been engaged to Joe Kennedy Jr. Okay. So remember Joe Kennedy died. He died in an airplane crash. Yeah, Yeah. so World War II. Had he lived, she said, I would have been the first lady. Because everyone thought that Joe would have been the next, he would have been the president, right? He was like the golden child. More so than, you know, JFK. Mm-hmm. But she even said that to Joe Kennedy Sr. at JFK's inauguration in 61. She's like, if Joe had lived, I would have been the first lady instead yeah. of Jackie. <sighs> yeah, really. And he just kept drinking. Ignore her. <laughs> like most Kennedys. For drinking the booze. Right. So according to her diaries and letters, she also had an affair in the late 40s with um, the U.S. Secretary of the Interior. He was married. And Big Edie would also allude to him as like that married man. When they had an argument, like in Grey Gardens. So that was the right. guy that she was talking about. She said, that married man was not going to give you any chance at all. And according to Edie, her mother scared off every suitor Edie ever had for fear that she would be left alone with no one to take care of her. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's in that documentary. That's so clear. That yeah. She's, she's been groomed to be her companion. Yes. And the mother, sure. you know, there's like you... She's terrified of being alone, Mm -hmm. and her daughter was going to be the one to take care of her. So from 1947, so we're talking about Little Edie, um, 1952, she lived in the Barbizon Hotel for Women, a residential hotel that catered to women who wanted to be actresses or models. She really felt that she was on the verge of a big break into films in 1952 when she was 34. She said she had an offer from MGM and Paramount, and that her dance career was set to take off. Uh, another thing about Edie was that when she was in her late 30s, she developed that alopecia totalis, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which, you know, your hair falls out. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend who has that, and she said she you, she lost her hair everywhere, 
except bikini area. She's like, what the The heck? one place <laughs> I wish I had it. <laughs> right? Well, that and, you know, under yeah, the arms. But she's yeah. like, no, eyebrows, yeah. you oh know, my God. hair on your head. Yeah. So that's when she started wearing those signature scarves that we'd see okay, on yeah. Edie's head. That was sort of the start of it. But there's also a cousin of hers who claims that she saw her climbing a tree at the house once and she had set her hair on fire. So that was another story that they think that, that her hair, her head was, scalp was burned. Okay. Um, but some people also think it was that um, trichotillomania. Trichotillomania, I think that's how you say that, where you pull out your Pulling hair. Pulling out, yeah. Like a sort of a mental disorder. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So ever, I got three different stories of that. Did of, they cover that in the documentary? I don't she remember. She just said she would mention like when her hair grows back or she hopes her hair grows back. Right, right. Um, but she didn't really, they didn't talk about it. Okay. Um, so her mom, in the meantime, so she's in New York. Her mom mm-hmm. in the meantime is back in gray gardens and she's alone and getting sickly. And so she begs her daughter to come back, to come back to East Hampton from New York. And right at that time, Max Gordon, a successful Broadway producer saw potential in her. He invited her to audition for the theater guild that summer, but she was forced to return to gray gardens before that chance came. Her mother said, I'm not sending you any more money. So kind of said, you're cut off. Right. So she had to go back. She couldn't stay. And she had no legitimate way of supporting herself. I'm sure she was doing theater stuff and singing stuff, but not enough to. Yeah. That's so manipulative. Uh, right. God. I know. They also think there was another rumor that um, little Edie threatened to tell her dad about the affair between George and her mother. Okay. That she had photos and was going to reveal that. So then Big Edie was like, get you, get home. So I don't know. That that showed up once. Who knows if that was really happening. So in July 1952, little Edie returned home after five years in Manhattan to live permanently in Grey Gardens when her mom was 57. She wouldn't leave again until Big Edie's death in 1977. So 1952 to 1977. Could you? And literally, they barely left the house, right? Yeah. I mean, that was, they were cloistered in there. Yeah. So we'll talk about why too, because there's yeah. some there's lots of reasons for that. So um, after Tex Logan and her, who was that was the one guy, the one of the mm-hmm. caretakers, he died in '64, and then there was a theft of antiques while the Beals were at a party. So they were invited 1968. Mm-hmm. Big Edie, Little Edie were invited to this party. It was kind of one of the last things they went to. It was some, I think it was like a maybe a debutante sort of a mm-hmm. party, mm-hmm. and they. Her mother, Big Edie said, I'm not leaving unless we get this house cleaned up a little bit. And so she hired these these boys, these sons of local people, mm-hmm. to clean up while they went to this party. And they stole all these things oh, from them. Geez. Yeah. So they're like, she, Big Edie was like, I'm not leaving again. Like, that's it. Oh, okay. The story about that, too, is the party. Yeah. They described the outfit that little Edie wore. Um, fishnet stockings, a black bathing suit. And like um like a some sort of a scarf, black trailing scarf, and she danced the entire night. The entire like had a black like she was like inexhaustible, like danced the entire night. <laughs> well, she had, you know, years to make up for. Yeah. Probably. And oh yeah. Right. Right, right, right. So yeah, so from nineteen fifty two, like that was probably the only party she'd been to in oh like sixteen years. What year was she born? How and it was it 1917? I think it was 1917. Little Edie was born in 17? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. So she was... Was it? Oh, no. They, they got married in they 17. They got married in 17. They got married in 17. And then... No, I think it was... Yeah, she was 1917. Yeah, oh, so okay. same year. Oh, okay. Yeah, so 1917. So this was, what, 68? Yeah, yes. so she was middle spring. 
chicken herself at that point. So little Edie, you know, talked about when my when her grandfather died, uh, he left sixty five thousand in trust. Blackjack had only one objective to grab the Bouvier fund to invest for his daughters Jackie and Lee, mm. and he did. He was supposed to take care of mother, but instead, Big Edie ended up with three hundred dollars per month. Mother and daughter reportedly would remain independent by selling Tiffany silver item by item. That was how they survived. Okay. So for the next two decades, Big Edie and Little Edie became increasingly reclusive, rarely venturing outside their property, and Grey Gardens itself continued to slide downward to becoming the domain of stray cats. Mm -hmm. Um, There was an estimate that they had as many as 300 cats, raccoons. Right both of which little Edie took care to feed on a regular basis. They, you know, the raccoons are literally, if you watch the document, they're climbing out of the walls. Right. And they're right. giving them like pieces of bread. Right. Um, yeah, really, uh, they're, they're taking care of these animals. Bills went unpaid. They basically subsided on cat food. Okay. But do you remember what they called it? No. What Pate. Oh God, that's right. They ate cat food and they would literally put like lemon juice on it. And like crackers and ice cream. You see me eating a lot of ice cream in the the documentary. But yeah, they would call it pate. Right? Yeah. Scary. Um, There's one photo of Edie, little Edie, standing in front of this mound of discarded cat food cans. And it's like several feet high. Mm -hmm. There's just, they just threw threw nothing out. The exterior of the property changed as well. It's like really unkempt shrubs and vines kind of like almost swallowing the house. You look yeah. at pictures. It's gray. Like the, it's all gray. It's right. all like one color. Right. And they talk about the garden. They're walking through the garden. Yeah. You're like, I'm not seeing what you're seeing. Right. These beautiful, not beautiful surroundings. Um, so the loving but embittered relationship between the two women is what's most compelling, I think. And that's what, I don't know, when, you, when did you first see the documentary about them? Oh, it's been years. I can't yeah. remember exactly. You know, Do you remember I, your reaction at all when you were watching it? Like what? My first thought was just, I think because of their connection to the Kennedys or to Jackie right. Kennedy was thinking they're, they obviously came from wealth and they're connected to families that are still very prominent. Right. And, and why is no one helping them? Okay. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. sort of, I, I, they have these connections and they're living in, in squalor mm-hmm. um and that was sort of my overwhelming feeling right. okay obviously you watch it and you see that they're mentally ill and mm-hmm. but what's the disconnect with the family right right and i don't know if if that did you ever find out why they just kind of cut them off did they try to help and it just yeah didn't... you know yeah well didn't yeah. jackie come out there at some she point did. Yeah, yeah she just sort of so, and that's interesting too. And that's something that, again, why I want to talk with mm-hmm. you about this, because I think you have a, a good handle on, on that as well. And you have, you've seen this. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? You know what, what I'm talking about. Yeah. This is not like, you know, this is, if you watch Hoarders, it's very, it's a very similar yeah. situation. Yeah. And um, so it's, what's interesting to me too, though, is their relationship and right. how they interact with each other, right. and the things that they say to each other. You if you wrote that as a script, which it did, you know, become a mm-hmm. play and a movie, mm-hmm. you would think people made that th- no one would ever say these things. This would not be a conversation. This would not right. be right. that you would have made this up. But the the conversations they have and the right. things that they're being said, right. I I couldn't stop watching. I right. couldn't. I was just so fascinated by 
how just, you know, the, the kinds of things they talked about. So basically little Edie, you know, she had returned to take care of her mom mm-hmm. and she keeps saying over and over how life has passed her by. Right. Mm-hmm. Life has passed me by. Mm-hmm. I'm stuck here. I'm stuck here. Mm-hmm. I'm stuck here. Mm-hmm. I can't do another winter here. I can't do another winter here. I can't. You know, you just she just says yeah. this over and over again. I'll just die. I'll just die. I'll just die. Right. And you almost feel like claustrophobic watching this. Right. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, my God, you have to get out of this house. Yeah. Right. And um, her mom says to her, you've had enough fun in your life. You've had enough fun in your life. Right. And she never little Edie never stops saying. I want to go to New York. I want to go to Paris. Yeah. I want yeah. to, I want to sing. I want to do this. I want to be on stage. I want to dance. And you're like, how, and you don't know how much of this is like, is she delusional? Mm-hmm. Would she have had a career? You know, you don't know that from the documentary. You have right. no idea like what, what's the background. Right. Right. Is this true? Or is this just someone? So yeah, it, that to me was fascinating. Um, she says at one point she's emptying a box of cat biscuits for the raccoons. Like we all do, the ones that live in the attic. Right. <laughs> she says, I've been a subterranean prisoner here for 20 years. Oh. And so that that language, right, a prisoner. And you hear her saying that over and over again. And also, she'll step outside and immediately her mom's like, Edie, 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 yeah. Edie. And you're like, how many times is she going to call? Like you just, you can't go outside. And she's got to run back in or she won't respond. Right. And it's like almost this constant, how, how much can you take? Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, they have this, uh, patrician vocabulary as well. It, it, they're oh. living in squalor and yet they're so educated yeah. and so finished right. you know, from finishing school <laughs> that it, 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 that's a disconnect too. Right. That. Not that that can't super happen. Super educated women, right? They're super quoting. educated. At, you know, obviously, like I said, just so groomed uh-huh. to be at a certain level. Yeah, and they're nowhere near that level. Right. But I, yeah, I know what you mean. When I always, when I watched it, I always felt cold. Mm. <laughs> I just felt, I felt, God, they must, I, aren't they cold all right. the time? Yeah. Even in the summer, you know, these big houses with yeah. everything just kind of. I suppose all the cats lie yes. on you as you're sleeping. Or well, what well, they wore a fur coat still. They wore fur <laughs> They coats. did have that one fur coat. That, that one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, too, you know, if you wear your sweatpants on your head, like little Edie would, <laughs> the pants, the legs of the pants become the scarf. Right. Which is great. That's the fashion. Creative. We'll talk about her yeah. fashion, too. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, so in the 1970s, uh, Jackie Onassis' sister, Lee Radswell, mm-hmm. she talked to the Maisels about doing a documentary about her and Jackie and their childhood growing up in East Hampton. Mm-hmm. And the Maisels, they did Give Me Shelter, that Rolling Stones documentary. Oh, that's I right. didn't yeah, realize yeah, yeah. they did that's that. Right. That's right. I... So, that's awesome right there. So at the same time, the National Enquirer publishes an article about the Edies and the squalor they live in. They'd mm-hmm. had people come from the county and say, like, the, you cannot be living like this. Mm-hmm. You know, felt terrible. For, like, you're saying, how are people letting them live like right. this? And so they ran an expose about the deplorable conditions in the house and the fact that these are relatives. Right. This is Jackie Kennedy's aunt and her cousin. Of America's royal family. Right. Yeah. So the Board of Health, they make this inspection. Like, you got to clean this place up. you got to get rid of some of these cats and the raccoons and the opossums, et cetera. They said the filmmakers, when they were making the documentary, the fleas were so thick that they had to wear flea collars around their ankles because they were getting bit so much. And actually, you know, um, little Edie, at one point in the documentary, comes outside and she's right. like just wiping the fleas off of her. Yeah. And just they, they would spray themselves with this, you know, um, like flea spray. 
So after the publicity, Jackie Kennedy and Aristotle Natsis donated $32,000 to clean up the house. Okay. So what you see in the documentary right. is after the cleanup. Right. I remember reading that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which they, is crazy. They put a new furnace in, new plumbing. They took away a thousand bags of garbage. And a lot of them were um, like cat feces. Yeah. They would put the cat feces like and throw them in the basement. So no in litter bags. boxes. Just, yeah. Yeah. Um, so her son agreed to pay back taxes on the property, which they really hoped the mom would sell. She did not want to leave. She did not want to leave. And after all these kind of raids and stuff, she said, I'm never leaving this house again because if I walk out the door, they're going to take the house. So that was another reason why she was became a recluse because oh, okay. she's like, if I leave, right. they're going to lock the place up. And I'm well, gonna... last time she left, somebody yeah. stole all of her artifacts. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. So the uh, seventy three, the Maisels decided that the Edies would be a better subject than yeah. first ladies <laughs> and her sister, and they actually paid them five thousand dollars, and to feature their lives, their songs and dances and yeah. all that fun. So that film was released in 1975 to wide acclaim, and it showed basically what it kind of reverted back to after that huge cleanup. Um, But people just were fascinated by them and really were, they really were um, just took to them, took Mm -hmm. to the Beals and just this, this relationship. And, you know, like we are like, what is happening? What is this? This is, I've never seen anything like this before. And sort of, you know, in the seventies, when they first started kind of making documentaries like that, that fly on the wall kind of documentary, that was a relatively new thing and this was just these women other than being a fly on the wall they were like the fly was you know they were dancing, dancing with sweatpants on its head yeah, yeah they were they were entertaining the fly on the right, wall like they right. were like we're oh we're in this we're going to perform for you right which finally is, a, a, a stage to perform on. Yeah, yeah yeah um so just you know some of the scenes that i love like when she's she's wearing high heels um she's dancing in front of the camera mm-hmm. and she, you know she's got the one dance in the hall or she's got the flag, flag and she's it's like adorable yeah. Right. She's just so herself. And she's like, yeah. I'm going to do this dance for you guys. And she kept talking about her chances, all the chances she missed at true fame. And again, mm-hmm. you just don't know. Is is this true? Is she delusional? Um, but again, I mentioned about the head wraps. She was just infamous for these beautiful head wraps mm-hmm. that she would create from pants and shirts and skirts and um, used to adorn her head. And then she put like a, um, a brooch, a brooch, uh-huh. right. Or yeah. like an earring. She would like mm-hmm. stick an earring oh, yeah. in there. Um, when they watched the documentary, so they screened it for them in the house, they loved it. They loved it. They said, it's a classic. It's oh, fabulous. Wow. They were so happy with what they saw. They were, they loved it. They're like, this is us. That's interesting. I was never, I never thought about what did they actually think right. of it. Would, would they think this is a, a accurate, an accurate depiction of our lives and our, our greatness? <laughs> but, do, but don't you think, I mean, part of you too, as you're watching this, you feel right. so bad for them. You're like, yeah. Are they taking advantage of this? Are these right. women being taken advantage right. of? Okay. Do they realize how they're coming off? Right. So when I heard that, it made me feel a lot better because it is upsetting when you're seeing this and you're like, do they, do they, are they seeing what we're seeing? How are they going to react to this? And they, they loved it. They both absolutely loved it. Um, I love, <laughs> I love Jerry, the caretaker. Oh yeah. <laughs> So he's like, they always have these random people coming and doing work. And Jerry is like this teenage boy. Yeah, she calls yeah. him, what does she call him? Like the golden fawn or something, yeah, right? I can't, yeah. Something like the golden yeah. fawn. But she's convinced, that little E's convinced he wants to have sex with her. And that, you know, she's very prudish. She's very, right. you know, that's, she was not, you know. Um, so they, Jerry ends up moving in with them. <laughs> 
he moves in with them. How old was Jerry? He, I think he was like 19. Oh, I mean, okay, just a young, right, but yeah, you're like, young who guy, would yeah. move in yeah. here? Yeah. Who would move into the situation? So Somebody with nowhere <laughs> to go. <laughs> Nowhere else. Yeah. No better I think options, that, right? Yeah, I think yeah. that's kind of it. They actually have, um, there's an interview with him. I think he ended up being a model for a while. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah. He was probably, you know, nephew to uh, Andrew Carnegie or something. <laughs> falling on bad Jerry, times. Oh, Carnegie. Jerry Carnegie, oh, I yeah. I forgot to write that down. <laughs> Carnegie, however you say Yes. Yeah. So just great scenes. So the sweatpants yeah. on the head, the feeding the, the raccoons and the cats and the- Well, they collected um, strays. Like they clearly yeah. human and that is such a great way to put it right yeah they were that's another thing i said they were open to everybody everybody who came right. in um except people who were trying to you know steal from them right um there's one of the articles i read was written prior to the, the, the cleanup and it was written by a woman i think she became a famous writer i think her name was hmm, i can't remember I'll have it. When in. was it written? It was just, so 1972, I believe. She okay. met, they found her daughter, she and her daughter were out walking along and they found this, all these baby bunnies and they thought they were going to die. And her daughter said, let's take it to the house where they take care of animals, which was Grey Gardens. And so she and her daughter kind of crawled through and her daughter's like, you, you know, you take care of animals. And Edie was like, little Edie was like, you sense that. Children know, children yeah. sense that. And she was just so, she just talked to the child as if she were an adult. It was just a really cool story. Right. And this woman actually kind of, you know, would, was friends with Edie and would interact with her and, and talk to her on the phone and dealt with her um, prior to the, the the Kennedys intervening and cleaning up the house. But it was just an interesting exchange from someone who talked about her brother showing up and, like, screaming at her, you got to get out of here, and her mm -hmm. just running into the ocean and swimming away. Um, you know, just you, you feel like these big bully guys, these guys who have basically screwed up and controlled their whole lives. Right. Think about the Bouvier, the Kennedys, you know, all those families where the men are just running things and the women are just these pawns. Yeah. And so you got to do what we say. And here are two women who are not going along with that. Right. So that part of it I thought was super interesting because as much as we want to say, why is your family not intervening? Yeah. These women were like, screw you. We're well, gonna... they weren't going to take the help if... In the way it was offered. Right. They wanted it on their own terms. And exactly. that wasn't going to happen. And in so. that family, that that was not easy to do. Right. So right. I thought that True. was... True. Good point. Yeah. Um, so, oh, the, the bedroom scene. So the bedroom, again, it's just total squalor. I think she's like laying in the bed. Her mother, you know, Big Edie's in the bed with like newspapers was on Was she there. bedridden for a sort, lot? Or, or was she by choice kind of, but, but not by necessity? Outside. Remember, she sunbathes, so she'll be outside right. sunbathing. Right. But I, I, that's what I... When I think of Grey Gardens, I think often of her just... In bed uh -huh. and little Edie dancing around her, and they're right. they're they're having yes, you know, witty repartee back right. and forth, singing, singing, and... listening to her record that right. she made. Right, right. Um, yeah, there's oh gosh, I just I rewatched it because I well now I'm gonna I'm gonna have to <laughs> yeah I haven't seen it for a while. I know I just I I had to rewatch it and I was just because and I'm so glad because I think now after researching I wanted to go back and I think I looked at it with a different eyes. You know, when you do oh, that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Now, well, now you have more of the backstory. Yeah. That's why I wanted to, because there's a lot of these things the that after. I didn't know. And right. the after. Right. Which is interesting right. as well. Um, 
So one of my favorite lines from the film is where she comes out, the filmmakers, the Maisels are there, and she's like, this is the best thing to wear for today, you understand, because I don't like women in skirts. And the best thing is to wear pantyhose or some pants under a short skirt, I think, and then you have the pants under the skirt, and then you can pull the stockings up over the pants and underneath the skirt. And you can always take off the skirt and use it as a cape. <laughs> she goes, so I think this is the best costume for today. I love that line. I'm going to use it as a cape. It's like, great. Fabulous. Um, And then she goes, mother wanted me to come out in a kimono. So we had quite a fight. (laughs) (laughs) I would love just a a breakdown of what they fought about on a daily. Uh I'm sure it was just... Well, it seems like, you know, when you, you were coming in, so what when did we say she moved there? Was it 50s? In 50, the 50s. Yeah. So we're seeing this in the 70s. So we're right. a good 20 years in, right? Right, right. And you're still fighting about the fact that you had to leave New York. Right, right. So this is like, this is like. That's, I'm sure, an every day, 17 yeah. times a day fight. Yeah. That, but not even like a fight so much as like, they're not screaming at each other. No, they're not, like bickering or. It's just or, kind of this back and forth yeah, and this, these yeah. statements and. um. It's their yeah. script. <laughs> you know, just, that's what and, they talk about. And the language that they use, right? So th- there's another scene where Edie's talking about um, Big Edie saying, I went up to, I went to mass up until I was 28. And Edie's like, well, that's how she got so fat, not going to su- Sundays, not getting up on Sundays to go to mass. So that's what she's blaming, that she's fat. And that's the whole thing, her weight. She's little Edie's weighing herself all the time. Right. She's dieting. She's, you know, still trying to maintain this perfect figure. And then... Um, she, literally, he's like, well, it keeps you very thin, getting up from mass. <laughs> was she going to mass big, no. with her pants around her head? Well, or? she does go to, yeah, she does. She would go to mass. Was that in the documentary? I don't, or no, they didn't. No, but she would okay. go to church. And then, so Biggity says, I'm not going to church to keep thin. I'm going because I love the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Love it. Um, so that documentary, Grey Gardens, with critical acclaim, it inspired that Tony award-winning Broadway stage musical, mm-hmm. 2006. And then there was the movie with Jessica Lange as Big Edie and Drew Barrymore as Little Edie, yes. 2009. I never saw that. Did you I saw it? that. Did you? Yeah, what it did was, you? I think it was, what is it, HBO? I can't remember. It, okay. I think it wasn't, it wasn't in the theaters, okay. I believe it was okay. for HBO. I did watch it. Um, I can't stand Drew Barrymore, <laughs> but... I actually think she was, she did a pretty good job okay. of, especially young Edie, yeah. kind of when she was um, right. in New York. And that's, that's the one reason why I wanted to see it. Cause I wanted to see, cause I know they talk about them before that. And so I was yeah. kind of interested in that, but I just feel like the documentary, like if you want to see Edie Beale, watch yeah. the documentary. Right. Like I don't need to see Drew Barrymore being right. Edie. I can right. see Edie being Edie. I, yeah. I, re- I kind of felt this. I was sort of felt Drew Barrymore can't capture who right. this woman was. Right. It just she's not good and enough again, actress. But if you, you she's such a she's such a intense character right. that like you can't imagine this is a real person. I liked uh, Bill Hader's <laughs> version of her better. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the whole time we're talking, that's the image going through my head. Of Fred it's Armisen. A, Fr- Fred Armisen <laughs> was Big Edie and Bill Hader was little Edie and just of him with the flag. And I can't get that out of my head this whole time. And Fred Armisen throwing the food at the bus. I'm going, get out of here. Get out of here. Like it. It, it is the best. That was called Sandy Passages. Right. And it was, it was documentary uh, now. Documentary right? now oh, with Fred I, Armisen and Bill Hader. It is 
so if you if you have no idea who we're talking about, <laughs> go watch Grey Gardens and then watch Documentary Now, Sacred right. Passages, and right. you your life will like forever change. Right. You'll have you'll laugh if you wa- if you watched it without yes. knowing about Grey Gardens, you'll you'll laugh. Yeah. But if you watch Grey Gardens yes. and then watch it, you will wet yourself. <laughs> It's so great. I was I'm crying la- thinking about it, <laughs> laughing. Because you're like they're like ha- they play them. Bill Hader. Right. He is. I said he's better than the Drew Barrymore. I mean, it was just perfect. <laughs> and then the pictures, they make up those old pictures of them. <laughs> Fred Armisen's laying in bed going, "Pity pet." <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, I want, we got to just pause this and go watch that right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Um, yeah. And then I mentioned that there was a newer document, 2018, there was a newer documentary called That Summer. I, I didn't watch any of that. I just saw some, a little yeah, bit of it. Yeah, I have heard of that. Um, but, you know, so a lot of people were watching That Summer and they, so what kind of the, what a lot of critics were saying when they saw the, the new movie was um, their friends and relatives were enabling and protecting them with when what they should have done was close the place down. Right. And they said, yeah. great gardens could be seen as a film that exploited the Beals, showed them astounding empathy and provided a memorable platform for mother daughter craziness. But what's easier to see now is that both of them were deeply, seriously, mentally ill. And so I read that and I thought that, I, I think to just dismiss them mm-hmm. as crazy or mm-hmm. mentally ill mm-hmm. is to miss the complications of them and of their relationship. Mm-hmm. And just to say, oh, they're crazy. Oh, mm-hmm. they're mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Um, their eccentricities, their openness. They're not right. phony. They right. are they are themselves for right. all the world to see. And someone wrote this line, which I thought was so great. It said, they're fighting the ghosts of dead dreams. Oh, wow. I thought, isn't that... That's what it is. They're yeah. both fighting ghosts of dead dreams. Right. Big Edie never got to be this, you know, the great singer. Her husband left her. She's left. And, you know, so she's struggling with the, what she didn't have. She was right. brought up to that her life was going to be perfect and wonderful. Um, but she grew up in a group of people who were not open to that artistic personality. Um, and that waste of artistic talent for both women, which I thought was really made a lot of sense yeah. to me. But yeah, I really, I just don't, I guess when I look at that, I think these women, yeah, none of us would really choose to live like that, but they did. They did. So what, who among us should say, you can't do that. That's not what everyone else is doing. Right. No, I think that's true. It, it, uh, I think in the fact that though, that it was unsafe and unsanitary maybe from that aspect of it but i what you're saying i get right yeah that they're they were that was the dream that they wanted or at least big edie i don't Mm -hmm. know about little edie if that was what right she wanted but um, i don't think either of them were there because they wanted to be there right but But they're on their own terms because they had to be right we're gonna live right neither one of us wants to be in this house right but if we are and we're stuck here, then we're, we're going to listen to our is... records and right. we're going to dance and right. I'm going to put sweatpants on my head and I'm right. going to. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah, I just kind of thought, I think that's, we do that a lot in society where we go, you're not living the way other people are living. So there's something wrong with you. Um, that you're not, 
you're not towing the line or you're, you know, again, and I think it goes back to how they were kind of, the men were trying to control them and tell them what they should do. But yeah, I, I know what you mean about the, the, the safety of it and the health right, risks right. And, and all that. Um, so towards the end of her life is, um, Big Edie was dying. Little Edie said to her, is there anything you want to say? Is there anything that you still need to say? Mm-hmm. And she says, there's nothing more to say. It's all in the film. Wow. Yeah. So I, again, that made me feel good about they weren't tr- exploited. These, this was a message they wanted to get out. They were happy with how they were portrayed. So Big Edie Beale died of pneumonia in Southampton Hospital in New York following a fall at her home. And her body is buried in the Bouvier family plot in Most Holy Trinity Catholic Cemetery in East Hampton. And after her mother's death in February 1977, Beale attempted to start a cabaret career at age 60. Oh, my God. Right? I was going to yeah, of course she did. Eight, she had eight shows. So, um, so a year, so January 10th through the 14th, 1978. So her mom died in February 77. A year later, she goes to the Reno Sweeney in Manhattan nightclub. And the club basically kept the bad reviews from her. Mm-hmm. The New York Times basically said this is a public display of ineptitude. Uh, she faced two audiences per night who were allowed to ask her questions as part of her act. Little Edie brushed aside any notions that she was being exploited. And she said, this is something I've been planning since I was 19. I don't care what they say about me. I'm going to have a ball. God bless her. Right? Yeah. And the same thing. like That's great. Right. So she's like, I've been sings for 20 something years i want to go to new york right. and sing in a cabaret or sing and yeah i'm doing it who cares what other people say and that again i love that i love that about her she got to do it she got she got to live her dream for, at 60 at 60 right yeah um so the day of her final performance she's driven back to gray gardens and she lived there for two more years only five cats only five cats were wow. left the rest were given up for adoption after her mother died in 1979, she sold the mansion to Ben Bradley. So he was, I guess, the, the editor publish- of Washington the Post. Washington Post, right? Editor or publisher? I'm not so sure. for 220,000. Oh my god! Under the condition that they would not demolish it. Mm. So Edie said, "All it needs is a coat of paint, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe take the carpets up. <laughs> if you don't mind, please, right? Just a coat of paint." <laughs> So they, and she actually left behind a ton of mementos. Like in the attic, it was full of like old letters. Oh, God. Right? How great would that be oh, to go through? Oh, my God. Right? Silver, china, oh. books, figurines, all, like in the attic. So their wow. attic was full of stuff. So little Edie, she, afterwards, she moved around a lot. She left Grey Gardens. Um, she took two of her cats with her. She went to Florida, so Bell Harbor, Florida, mm-hmm. um, in late 1977. She stayed there. She remained in quiet isolation, they said, writing poetry, uh, corresponding with friends and fans. She had so many fans after that documentary. People who literally would keep in touch with her. How are you doing? What's happening? Who really were genuinely interested in her. Yeah. She really did. And um, she was very close with her nieces and nephews, very close with them. She actually, she died alone in her apartment, January 14, 2002. She was 84. They think she had uh, a heart attack or a stroke. Um, and appeared to have been dead for five days. So it was actually one of her fans who she who she kept in touch with who alerted police and said, I have not heard from her in a while. So he was the one who said, I think she's, something's wrong. Right. Which was, you know, that made me feel good too, that she had people who genuinely cared for her and accepted her yeah. for who she was. So she made it really clear she did not want to be buried in the with the Bouviers. 
and she wanted to be very near her brother, Buddy, in Glen Cove. So they honored that. She was cremated, and she's buried with her brother. Um, she's got three nephews and a niece, and then mm-hmm. they've got children. But her inscription on her grave reads, I came from God. I belong to God. In the end, I shall return to God. Um, November 2017, prior selling the house, the owners, so the Bradley. So I think yeah. Bradley had died, yeah, I think and then his did. wife yeah. was getting the house mm-hmm. ready. So they had an estate sale. I think you and I, I think you I, sent me that. Yes, I did. There yeah. was something on, uh, I don't know if it was Facebook or, okay. or something about that. Yeah. So hundreds of buyers. So people would started lining up at four in the morning, which you and I would have been yeah. there. Right? <laughs> I know. If I had prior knowledge, <laughs> let's road trip. Yeah, because there were stuff, like I said, there was stuff left in the attic. So there oh, were God, things the that were for sale and not like outrageously expensive. Right. So they let 40 people in the house at a time. Um they said it, they described it as a civilized stampede. So people were just <laughs> oh, dying God. to get in there, right? So people just kept coming in and they said, um, they oh, most of these were fans, Grey Garden fans sure. who wanted something. And there's only one person who was escorted for unruly behavior, but, you know, otherwise everything was fine. They had like napkins, they had drinking glasses. So they're like a drinking glass would be like $2, yeah. a napkin. So just a, they wanted a piece of it. They wanted a part of this. Um, they had furniture. They, you know what they had in the bedroom? So you know how she's always in the bedroom with that mirror? Yeah. That mirror was oh, for sale. How much? I don't, they didn't say they how didn't much say. that was, but that was one of the items, which I thought, oh, that that's really cool. Um, so that home was sold then in December 2017 for $15.5 million. Oh well, yeah, because of where, right. where it was. I mean, think I about mean, the, you're, you're looking out at the ocean. You're looking at the Atlantic yeah. Ocean, yeah. Who bought it? Anybody of they note? They Okay. They did not um, Nobody famous. But, Annie, if you missed that sale and you still want something oh, connected yes. to the Edie's. Please tell me more. <laughs> you can go to graygardensofficial.com. And Grey Gardens, according mm-hmm. to the website, is a luxury lifestyle brand driven by a passion for elegant self-expression. Mm. And it says they're the official brand for Grey Gardens and Little Edie's legacy. We're endlessly inspired by Little Edie's ability to see beyond trends and gravitate instead to the pieces that helped her articulate who she was, how she felt, and what she loved. Like Edie, we understand that things aren't just things. They're the tools we use to express ourselves more accurately from jewelry to home decor. We create unique pieces of the highest quality to provide you with everything you need to do just that. We're the official Grey Gardens brand. So this is basically um, the nephews and the niece. Right. They've created this company. So created by the fourth generation family. Right. To honor. To honor, yeah. Honor Nothing... Not to make money. Right. Um, strictly, yes. And I went on the website to see, like, I'm like, what? Because I'm like, oh, I God, got... the minute I leave here. Right. <laughs> I, I'm like, I well, I'm my really phone. just like, I'm going to buy yeah. something for Annie. I'm like, well, there was oh, nothing under 50. Oh. Nothing. And lots of stuff for, like, thousands of dollars. So they have, like, jewelry and headscarves and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it Is was... it their, it's not, their actual stuff or is it? No. Nope. It's things that Edie inspired, would have inspired, inspired by. Okay. Inspired well, then... by. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm looking at your Frida Kahlo t-shirt, and I'm wanting, like, a Grey oh, Gardens Oh, right. Version. They didn't have that. Like, they didn't have <laughs> that kind of stuff. It was pretty, like, they were jewelry that was, like, you know, a $2,000 bracelet or something. Okay. It was, yeah, it was pretty. It's like, Edie would not have worn a tooth. Maybe, I don't know, maybe those, she, that yeah. jewelry could have been I'm expensive. sure they had some, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure could, they did have some stuff that yeah. was. Yeah. Um, but, Annie, if you don't, if you're not interested in that, I have something a little more expensive. <laughs> I mean, less expensive. Um. 
would you be interested in a bottle of Grey Gardens Rosé? Oh, I would. <laughs> I know you're more of a Pinot Grigio. Um, no, I like Rosé. Do you? Okay. Sure. Yeah. So this is from, again, this is the Beale family, Bouvier Beale. Um, and it is a bottle of rosé. They only sell rosé. It's graygardenswines.com. And you can get a garden, uh, Grey Gardens rosé for $17.99. Is, do they have it at Trader Joe's? <laughs> <laughs> or just Dean and DeLuca? Or Osco. At Os- uh, yeah. yeah. Aldi? Right. If they don't okay. have it at Aldi, oh, you have I'm to not, order it? All right. I'm not well, getting I'm, it. No. That's yeah. not bad. I, I would. Nancy, you and I will have to. Get a bottle. <laughs> we're gonna. Sh- yeah, we're gonna have to share that. Yeah, yes. when we have our our launch party, we'll have some Grey Gardens rosé. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I'd be interested to know what it tastes like, but I'm sh- oh my gosh, I'm sure it's <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like pate. I don't know. Oh, yeah. So that's the story of Big Edie and Little Edie. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just uh, enjoyed learning so much about. I them know. I, I love. I did too. They I, seem to crop up periodically in my news feed. And, uh-huh. I, and, and, you know, when you, it seems like now when you think about something, it sh- shows up in your news feed. You okay. don't even have to say Seriously. it. Okay. So last night I literally was, we we're watching that series, The Tunnel. Have you watched that? Which one? It was the original PBS. one or the? Series, we were finishing season one. Okay. Is that the one in the British and yes. French? Yes. So I watched, there's an original one, I think that's oh. called the, um, the bridge, oh, and it's uh the bridge that's between Denmark and Sweden. Oh, it's because I'm very into Scandinavian <laughs> I, oh, noir. I didn't, I didn't Scandinavian noir. <laughs> I am. There's a whole is it, genre. Yeah, there is. I've been watching a ton too. I'm watching a ton of things with subtitles. But that yeah. one's based. On okay. It. So okay. anyway, yeah. No, I haven't seen that one. Okay. But. Really good. Really good. But then I was like, they keep going back and forth between England and you know and France. And I'm right. like, how long she died is that? Right on the the right. 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 I'm like, how. Like, how, what the heck? Like, how long of a trip is that? That you can just keep going back and forth. So I yeah. looked up on my iPad. I looked up what's the tr- what's the time between, you know, and it was like 31 minutes by train. Um, and then I literally, an hour later, I was looking at Facebook and there was an ad for a company to take you from England to France. Yeah. And I was very upset. I'm like, how does Facebook know what I Googled? They I do. don't. I don't like that. I know, but they do. They always know. How is I, that allowed? Right, because you're not even you're not even looking it up on Facebook. Thanks, Obama. You're looking at. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Obama. <laughs> thanks, Michelle. Yeah, so that's fast. Yeah, that was a that's a good. One. I'll have to check out the bridge too. That'll be good. Yeah, but I I I get a lot of and but it's nice if it if it's something that you want to know about. Mm-hmm. It's nice, like with right. the Grey Gardens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I had oh, that somehow. Article. That's how okay. that article about the. Uh, auction yeah came up yeah and, yeah you're uh, right if it's something that you're interested in otherwise you're like yeah i don't asian porn i didn't <laughs> need to look at <laughs> whoops i didn't i was not meant to look at that um yeah so i i just think that that's fascinating so that was big edie little edie and um thanks for letting for doing this with me and letting me talk to you for an hour oh, it was wonderful my good. pleasure oh good i hope you're not disappointed now at the end that it wasn't an irish no, right. no, it's actually this is this was perfect. You better say that. You better. It's true. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, hey, thanks you guys for listening to this, and um, you can check out our website 
at it's called the so dramatic podcast.com if you want information about other episodes or links to sources so things we've talked about there'll be links in there for episodes as well books or movies or that kind of stuff so you can have all that um there's a facebook page called so dramatic um you can also at the website you can email us only if you have really good things to say otherwise i don't want to hear it <laughs> <laughs> So that's it. Thanks, guys. And remember, it's okay to be so dramatic. Uh-huh.